0: my! Hi to Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. I'm Susan Alaya Taua, filling in for Wallace Chapman today. Wallace is doing great too. I hear whispers that he will be returning to the building at some point soon. Uh, so it's great news. And if you're listening, Wallace, lots of love to you on this special day. Thank you all for your feedback. We've had quite a bit of feedback. Don't look pained, Andrew. Some of it is in support of your position, and Alexia and I are fine with that too. Hi, Susanna. Demonstrations of love don't need to be expensive, just imaginative and a bit awesome. Like a living orchid, for example, or a great jar of jam. Thank you, Sandy in Auckland. This other Texas says, "Forget the Big Mac combo. Get her that hammer and drill. She's always secretly wanted." <laughs> there you, wanted. Go. There you mm, go. It's very gendered, isn't it? Valentine's just met my girlfriend for a coffee from Mackie D's. We like a se- well, We live in separate towns. Sorry, we live in separate towns. But my truck-driving job had me going through her town. Nice thing is, we didn't expect to see each other today. See yeah keep it simple keep it real and the show the texter says valentine's thought there is no downside to making your partner happy
1: no i guess so but there's just that expectation that the whole commercial side of it puts on and you said use your imagination and that that predisposes uh, preassumes that i have one Is your problem right there
2: can't you can you not run roughshod over this and and just go your own way Alexia, I'm with Alexia, way. come on. Sounds
1: good in theory, like it does. Sounds <laughs> know. like you,
2: you are susceptible to commercial pressures.
1: <laughs> I totally am.
0: <laughs> Let out that inner romantic, Andrew, I think. Let's okay. see how he goes right. this hour. Let's we'll see how you go. Okay. Well, today also marks on a much, much more serious note. One year since Cyclone Gabriel swept the country, 11 people were killed, homes and businesses destroyed, Power and communications networks were knocked out in huge parts of the North and South Island. We're going to Hawke's Bay now, where 287 homes are no longer safe to live in. A third of the region's crops have been affected, and the process of recovery is ongoing. Commemoration services have been taking place throughout today, with the hikoi in Wairoa this morning and gatherings at uh, including at Hastings Civic Square. RNZ's Hawke's Bay regional reporter Lauren Crimp is with us now for an overview. Kia ora, Lauren.
3: Kia ora, great to be with you.
0: It's great to have you on the programme. Thank you. Were you in Wairua this morning?
3: I was in Wairua this morning, up nice and early, driving through the fog um, towards the AMP showgrounds where it all kicked off. And I tell you what, it was a stunning dawn this morning. How many people were there with you? Uh, More than 100, um, and the crowd sort of gathered as we walked through the town. So the hikoi kicked off with a karakia, um, and then we sort of picked up whānau along the way as we followed the path that a year ago today the floodwaters followed uh, through the town. For you,
0: you've been in the region that's where you're based this whole time, how does Wairoa look and feel for you today in comparison to the days and weeks where you've, first of all, not been able to get in there, right? That's how it was a year ago.
3: Yeah, I mean, a year ago today, um, I was in Hastings reporting that uh, that's as far as I could get. And I was reporting that oil was cut off. We hadn't had any communication from them. All we knew is that they had, I think, a day of food and two days of water left, Um so yeah, a stark contrast today. The the town has come a very long way, but my gosh, there's a long way to go. Um, speaking to the mayor Craig Little today, he says, you know, aside from the strength of in community that has come out of this, and that was absolutely evident this morning. It was it was beautiful the way people supported each other, but. Aside from that, he said there's not much to celebrate today. There are hundreds of whānau still displaced from their homes. Uh, there's still silt covering land. Farno can can't get back on that land. They can't afford to repair those homes. They're still in limbo around um, whether flood protection will be able to save them, whether they can even return back to their whenua. So definitely um, a, a sombre mood today, reflecting on the year that's been in Wairua.
0: And are you back in Hastings now, Lauren? Uh, I'm in Napier. In Napier. And what other gatherings have been happening around the region today?
3: Yeah, so they've, they have happened throughout the region. It all kicked off in Wairoa at dawn. Um, but throughout Napier, Hastings and Central Hawke's Bay, uh, there have been civic services. So um, mayors have been speaking, um, other dignitaries. We had the Emergency Management and Recovery Minister, Mark Mitchell, at the Hastings service today. Um, but also communities have been holding their own events as well, services um, at community halls. Uh, karakia at marae that kind of thing everyone just reflecting in their own way some people are um, finding that that's a really important thing for them to do and it's healing and some people have decided that's something they need to do alone it is still very very raw for many people uh, especially those who sadly lost lost loved ones a year ago in the floods
0: Are there stories that you're hearing now just for the first time or scenarios that are really new that haven't
3: surfaced before now? There are stories, um, more stories that it's surprising that they are still being told. For example, whānau waking up on today's anniversary, still living in caravans, still living in cabins, still waking up at marae but not at home and not where their heart is. And from speaking to people they did not think that a year on they would still be here. Um, and, And that's the truly heartbreaking thing. And for some of them, they still don't know how long it's going to take or if they can even return home. Andrew, any questions for Lauren?
1: Uh, well, I mean, not questions, but just reiterating that it seems to be that the wheels for this kind of thing grind painfully slowly, don't they? And we saw it with the you know, the Christchurch earthquake and stuff. And accepting that we're kind of in the process of breaking the climate, the more of these things are going to happen. So we need to have these processes sped up because it's not acceptable for people who've done nothing wrong to be homeless uh, due to an act that was not really caused by them. And so that needs to be streamlined. I know that's an easy thing to say, but it, it needs to happen because it's not acceptable that a year on that people are essentially still homeless.
3: Alexia. Yeah, indeed. Oh, sorry, go, sorry. Go, go, Lauren. Yeah, you go. Uh, uh, indeed, Andrew, I was, I was just going to say, um, and, and that is certainly the rhetoric that is echoing throughout the region, um, whether you're talking to residents or mayors or councils or the government. You know, um, Prime Minister Christopher Luxon's language when he's here is about speeding up, accelerating, turbocharging this recovery. He says it has been going too slow. And look, everyone, I, I believe, is truly trying to do the best that they can, but the government still believes there's too much red tape. They're considering at the moment um, orders in council to remove that regulatory red tape so um, things like new construction of flood protection and roads and that kind of thing can happen more quickly. Uh, But yes, if you consider that you're, for example, um, Cynthia Raymond Green, a couple in their 70s who are still living in a tiny caravan on a flood-wrecked property a year on, um, those people do consider it too slow, and and they are struggling. Alexia? Yeah, there's nothing,
2: I think, more discombobulating than having the ground literally move from underneath your feet. And that is, you know, it's something so weighty that... I don't think you know, you never, ever, ever will forget when that happened. And of course, this isn't just Hawke's Bay, it's all over Auckland. There are hundreds of people living in their caravans at the top of their drives with their house, you know, been red-stickered and it's down the cliff. Northland, as well as there's a lot of people in this position. I think the danger with just saying, I'm going to remove all the red tape, is that it's that red tape that provides the checks and balances for things such as building in a flood zone, repeating the same mistakes, mm. using shoddy materials, getting it done, a slapdash job done, things that set us up for issues into the future. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes, while it would be absolutely wonderful to ma- wave a magic wand and speed everything up, you know, you have to sort of say, but. Well, but actually, we do need to make sure that we, we've done it right, that we've done the studies that show when that slash comes down the hill, nobody else is going to be swept away or, um, you know, don't build in the valleys or, or wherever the water went or where it's going to go next time. You know, there's there are safeguards in
0: place that you do have to be very careful before you take them away. Lauren, just to finish, have you been hearing anything new from local, regional or central government leaders today as they meet with people?
3: Uh, Nothing new in terms of announcements or support or anything like that. I think everyone uh, sort of had a silent agreement that today was more about reflection you know yeah. um, we did speak to the MP Catherine Wedd at the Hastings event and she said look while it is about reflection uh, we do need to think about how we get moving quickly um, th- the newest sort of announcement from the government which has been um, very much welcomed here is an extra 63 million dollars for Hawke's Bay and Tarapiti for silt removal that was met with huge relief especially from growers who still have silt blanketing their land and um, but something the councils are waiting on is and pleading for is more money for roads. You know, Hastings alone needs 600 million more more to fix up their local roads. Mayor Sandra Hazel has said the ratepayer cannot afford it. The burden is simply too much. She says um, Finance Minister Nicola Willis uh, is due to be in town this week, Friday, I believe, and that's the message she's going to give to her. We cannot do this alone.
0: Thank you so much, Lauren. Good to to have you on the programme and just to check in with you there in Napier. Thank you.
3: Thanks for having me, Susanna.
0: RNZ's Hawke's Bay reporter Lauren Crimp there. It is coming up to 20 minutes past four and we're actually going to cross to Christchurch. I'm looking through the window at the control room. Kia ora Christchurch. Who's on the line from Christchurch to give us an update on the fire in the Kashmir Hills? No, maybe no one from Christchurch. Okay, okay. We're just going to have a... (laughs) This is that moment of one minute which is 20 seconds. We are live. (laughs) Um, Lawrence raised some really important points and it's always so good to be able to have just this level of conversation and detail sharing and thank you for what you were sharing Alexia too around just how we think about the, have it
1: Have you driven into the area since it's happened? No I, I, I drove in, in October so how many months later was that and it's uh, it's quite shocking when you come into certain parts of it it's just like it's been flattened mm. It does. you're like okay, wow.
2: And you know when the government talks about speeding things up and the mayors talk about we can't do it alone what they mean is we can't pay for it ourselves 100%. you know what the government could do to speed it up
0: actually is pour money into yep. that area and build those roads
1: if I it's think it's to to be at some time do it quickly I we're
0: going to cross exactly we're crossing to neva chittick now in christchurch kia ora, neva okay maybe we're not we're going to keep trying there we are i hear someone on the line is that you neva
4: yes i'm here
0: great what can you tell us neva what's the update of the fire in the Kashmir or on the port hill sorry
4: i'm here on Worsley's road so the fire is further up this road you can see it burning through a pine tree where i am now and it's the same place as the fire in 2017. A lot of the residents that are down here, they've seen some families reuniting as some of their family members are up on the hill, others couldn't get up because of the roadblock here where I am near the entrance to the Christchurch Adventure Park. A lot of them have had their doors knocked on by fire and emergency or police and asked them to leave in the last hour or so. There's also a heck of a lot of noise going on, you might be able to hear a bit of it. There are about six helicopters flying around and they're actually filling up from a wetlands that's just in front of me Uh, there's also a lot of sirens a lot of the fire trucks are coming past the uh, cordon where I am to head up to the fire and that's also a lot of heavy machinery in there too so it looks like they're getting ready to build um, fire breaks. at the moment most of the fire looks like where I am it's in pine trees, but there has been reports of it being in grassland on the other side of the hill as well.
0: Neva, do you have any number for the houses that are having their doors knocked on, Evacuation how, uh, numbers for evacuations at this point?
4: Not as of yet. Worsley's Road is a very long road and it snakes right along the base of the port Hills in the entrance to the adventure park, the big mountain bike park here, before heading up the hill. But I would imagine that it would be quite a few houses. There are at least two 2,000 cars here with me where I am waiting on the edge of the corner.
0: OK, Neva, we'll have more of an update from you. Thank you very much for your time being out there in the field and giving us a call into the studio. Thank you. The Government has repealed the Three Waters Programme under urgency this morning and has also announced this week it will set up an advisory board to work on replacement legislation. The plan under the Labor Government was to create 10 entities to manage drinking, waste and stormwater services. National campaigned on keeping the assets in Council's hands. Councils across the country have different views on how water should be managed. Today we're going to Manawatu, Helen War Boys is Manawatu District Mayor and also the co-chair of Communities for Democracy. Welcome to the panel, Helen.
5: Hi, how are you?
0: Good, thank you. How do you feel about the the change under urgency this morning to this legislation?
5: Oh, very positive. This is something that Communities for Local Democracy. Uh, we had a membership of about thirty councils, have lobbied government, uh, all all the political parties for the last couple of years. And uh, so very pleased to hear that local ownership will be retained, but more importantly, that local decision-making.
0: Local ownership, local decision-making. What does it mean now for Manawatū Council specifically?
5: Well, it means now that councils have the opportunity to, do, to have a look at can they do it alone, can they meet the new standards and show the government that we can fund and manage our three waters infrastructure over the next 10 to 30 years uh, and the opportunity also to talk to your neighbouring councils uh, whether it's a regional model to have a look at what does that look like and are there any economies of scale. So for us our draft long-term plan is going out for consultation. We've included the budgets to manage our three waters on our own, but we are looking at a regional option as well.
2: Helen, can I ask you how much are your rates going up to fund the fix to all your pipes?
5: Well, our overall rate increase is we're going out on our draft LTP at 7.09%. Now, just just to give you the three waters perspective of that, currently our building urban ratepayers pay around $1,400 a year for the three waters component of the rates. Uh, and in year one, we're looking at going up $150 to around $1,550 per annum.
2: And how how, how will the regional... Um, fix work, you know, when you get together with the other councils? Because I don't understand how just clubbing together with other councils is going to separate water off your balance sheet. I mean, it's the same people.
5: No, if you set up a CCO, a council-controlled organisation, and if you look at the international financing standards number ten, it is possible provided that no one council has more than forty nine percent share in that CCO. So there is there is there is the ability to do that. But the government has also announced that they are bringing out some uh, improvements around the CCO model that will improve that as well. So you know we are looking at that option, um, you know, to see if there are economies of scale. And of course, joining together means that you have, uh, there could be overheads that could be reduced by doing it together. There's the power, the buying power of buying infrastructure, pipes, et cetera, uh, together, and then the combined population of that CCO. So the, the, the key thing about this is that councils are being given the opportunity to do what works best for their community.
1: Can I ask? Um, I noticed in the South Island there were four of the old e- legislation. Do you able to say what, why they would be for it and you're against it? What is, what's different about your two circumstances, that they were pro the formal legislation and, and you weren't?
5: Well, I think the key, the key difference for our council is that we have not invested well into infrastructure over the past decades, which is why our rates are some of the highest in the country for our uh, urban residential uh, so we've invested well, and we've continued to budget to do that. Um, for some councils, for a whole lot of reasons, they they haven't done that, and are not able to do that. So they are looking to see how can we get some help and support. And under the previous government model, it meant that they could hand that over to an entity and let them work it out. But what people often forget is that the ratepayer and the taxpayer are the same person. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter who sends out the bill. At the end of the day, it's the same people paying.
0: So the new legislation's not due to come in until mid-2025. What happens between now and then? Is that enough time or is it too little time to, for everyone to, to form the groups? I mean, is it going to be easy as it, as it's starting to sound?
5: well most most councils have already started conversations with their uh, the other councils around their region. Some of them already have a model that may need to be tweaked. You know they are well down the path. We've started those discussions, but other I know of other regions such as Hawkes Bay who've already started that work, and uh, so we also have to wait and see what the detail is from the new governments. Um, reform is around the sustainable funding, what does that look like, how will it operate, what are the improved CCO um, improvements that they're looking to bring into place. So there's a lot more detail that we need to know. But the good thing is that councils are now in control of the decisions around this about what works best for their community. And as we always said during our lobbying campaign, one size fits
2: none. So Helen, as a council that's been wise with its investment over the years, as you say, having high rates to pay for the pipes when they're needed, would would you be prepared to help out neighbouring councils who have not done that? Well,
5: that is the discussion that we've started, and there will be communities and councils around the country who are going to need help. Uh, but under the previous mandated model, we were going to end up subsidising whether we liked it or not, uh, and we didn't have any choice who we worked with. But under under the new government's reform, we have the opportunity to have those conversations ourselves and work, and figure out how it works best for our community. And yes, there are some hard decisions going to have to be made for those communities who are going to need help and the government has said they're there to support and help and discuss with those communities how to make it happen. So the the reality is that we're we're in this together, Uh, it's not being mandated, there are options for us and now councils need to seriously think about those options.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Helen. Good to have you on the program today. That's Helen Warboys, who is the mayor of Manawatu District.
5: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com newsadfree free.